This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Now, I know I said at the end of last week's episode that Anne and Russell would be back this week, but we had a massive opportunity come up that we couldn't pass up and we think you're going to really love it. So we're joined today by the incredibly talented co-creator and cast of a new stage show all about our favourite royals, The Windsor's Endgame. The show, which is running in London's West End at the moment, follows on from the hugely popular TV show, The Windsors. Anne and Russell will be back next week with all the latest royal news. But for this week's show, I'm chatting to Tom Durant-Pritchard, who plays Prince Harry, Tracy Ann Oberman, who plays Camilla, and the always wonderful Harry Enfield, who is the show's Prince Charles. But first, we catch up with the Windsor's co-creator and friend of the show, Bert Tyler Moore, to tell us how they moved the TV hit onto the stage. So, Bert, welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. Thank you so much for joining us again. Not at all. Pleasure. So last time we spoke was right at the start of lockdown uh, when the last series hit our screens. And, well, what, a, what 15 months it's been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Firstly, we just wanted to extend our condolences for the passing of the lovely George Jeffrey, who the fantastic comedy writer and the co-creator of The Windsors. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was a very shocking thing. It was completely out of the blue. He was, you know, a very sort of fit guy, played a lot of tennis. In fact, he was playing tennis when he when he died. He just had a massive heart attack, completely out of the blue, um, and you know, very shocking and, and very sad. You know, particularly for his family. He's got a daughter, Kate, who's eighteen, just off to uni, um, who, like her dad, is sort of very creative and you know into writing and journalism. And they had such a great relationship, and it's it's just so incredibly sad that that's happened. Gosh, yeah, it really is. And like I said, we're, you know, from everyone here, we're, we're really sorry. He was obviously an incredibly talented person and brought so much laughter to everyone through lots oh, of things. Yeah, through yeah. the winds as well. Mm. So, Bert, you took up the challenge of moving the much-loved TV show onto the stage. From a writer's point, how did it work kind of logistically taking a TV concept into a theatre? Well, when... We, I mean, me, well, interestingly, before we'd even been asked by the Runaway, the the, the company that were producing it, we'd always sort of idly chatted me and George about the idea of doing a play. We just kind of thought it would it would just really work on on the stage. And then when they got in touch, we we were very keen to make it um, a proper sort of theatrical thing. 
not not just to stitch a couple of verses together and sort of slap it on the stage. So you know, so there are things like there's, there's sort of breaking the fourth wall. We were quite keen to do that. So Prince Edward is like a narrator figure in in the show talks to the audience. Um, I mean, bits of it are like a panto. Um, Camilla, our villain, sort of gets booed, and it, you know, it's just the audience are encouraged to, to boo her as well. Um, and and there are songs, and so it's like this proper sort of um, theatrical thing, which sort of you know, it, in a way, you could you could uh, you could see the stage play without having seen the series, and and then just enjoy it, with, you know, without you know, let's say without a- actually having known the TV series. And so, Bert, without giving any spoilers, how can you briefly tell us what what the story is about? The basic story, well, there are several, there's a couple of subplots. The main story is um, uh, Camilla discovers that in the Brexit treaty, uh, there was a slip of the pen and powers were, were restored instead of 1973 to 1173, which means that Charles is the absolute monarch. And she persuades Charles to you know, implement that and return Britain to feudalism. Uh, and Charles, the slightly deluded figure, thinks this is wonderful because I can make lots of wildlife diversity and stuff like that. But Camilla, our villain, just wants to impose a really harsh regime. So that's the main story. And, and Wills, obviously, Wills and Kate are, when they just, they're, they're sent away on a royal tour, as, as the royals are, and then when they come back, they discover this new uh, horrible world, and, was, and then the rest of the story is really about them fighting Charles, and there's a climactic sword fight between Charles and Wills at the end, <laughs> in which, which I have to say, Charles gets killed, uh, and but then resurrected. Exactly how, I shan't, I shan't spoil <laughs> I was going to um, say that feels like quite a spoiler, but well, yeah, no, 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 and then there's another subplot about um, the lovely Prince Andrew <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and his two lovely daughters, Beatrice and Eugenie, who are trying to clear his name of the, of the awful nonscape that we put in the flag. So as you know, our listeners can probably guess from several of the points you've raised there, the show feels very current. Uh, there's mm. also references to Prince Philip's death and to Meghan and Harry's uh, huge TV interviews. Um, mm. So how often were the team kind of reworking the, you know, the script and the storylines to fit in all these new, new royal stories as and when they happened? Well, um, so we... we so me and George wrote the first draft uh, just before he died. So he died almost a year ago in September. And then, uh, and, and in that draft, we'd had like an argument between Kate and Megan, but we just hadn't quite focused it on the bridesmaid's dress. So when that argument came along, that was quite simple just to, just to swap that onto it. And in a way it was great because it, it was slightly, slightly generalised argument we had between them. That, that just focused it onto this one issue. And that just made it, you know, a much simpler, clearer story. And, and again, again, with the Prince Andrew stuff, that was all, I mean, you know, that interview he gave was probably 18 months ago now, perhaps even longer. 
that still remains current. You know, on our press night, he gave uh, the, the news came through that um, he was being sued in New York. Um, so we we popped in a little couplet about that actually on the press night. So so again, that was a story we had, but but is is still live. So it's really just a question of tweak, tweaking, you know, our existing stories with with the events as they occur. You know, that must make it really exciting then for you to kind of having to come up with a new bit quite a yeah. lot. Exciting, a bit scary. I mean, you know, <laughs> something something awful could happen, and then then where would we be? Uh, but so I'm, I keep praying that. Um, that Her Majesty, uh, yeah, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> Nothing untoward occurs in her life. I'm sure it will. She lives as long as her mother, I hope. So, Bert, who was the toughest character to write? And do you have a particular favourite from the characters you've created? Well, they are all my favourites, uh, I think. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, Very. Yeah. <laughs> but if I were to pick one... I've got a bit of an affinity with Prince Edward because he's sort of from my, uh, roughly my age group. And so I can just remember all his, his sort of, his sort of, sort of tragic career moves when he was like uh, working for Andrew Lloyd Webber and then It's a Royal Knockout and all that kind of stuff. And the way Matty Cottle plays it, so he, he played him in the TV show and he also plays him on stage. He's such a brilliant, funny actor. He does these massive pauses that are just perfectly timed. And he's just such a delight to watch. He's such a precise actor, so funny. But, you know, all, all, all the characters are great. That's the brilliant thing about it. It's such a great ensemble that um, as a writer, you, you you know, if you get a bit fed up of you know, writing one lot of characters, oh, great, we've got another lot of like, <laughs> insane characters to write for. I think that's probably... Uh, the experience you get watching it as well. It's like, uh, it's like a parade of like, um, sort of uh, idiots, I suppose. Lovable idiots, lovable idiots. (laughs) And so the TV show was, you know, kind of really out there and some people called it controversial when it was, you know, far from tame, but Mm. there's more, should we say, extreme language and lots of draw dropping moments uh, that I think the Channel 4 lawyers maybe might have had some concerns about. Did you have more freedom, you know, when you were working out the, the show? Um, do you know, I, I don't think it's that much more extreme than the TV show. Um, and in both, in, in both the telly and on the stage, we're, we're always keen to you know, to yeah, to push push the envelope a bit, and to be you know, have a few sort of genuine digs. But I think there's a tremendous amount of warmth in the show, and the I think that the, the audiences really respond to that. You know, the, the characters really do love each other. Like Megan and Kate, we have them like feuding, but at the, at the end of the story, they're they're reunited and they really love each other. And the two brothers, Will Will's and Harry, in our story. Yeah, they really love each other and they're, they're sort of quite sad that they're apart. So there's a lot of warmth in it. Um, uh, you know, and I think that's, and I think that's important because I think that in a way that, that's, that helps us do the more controversial cutting stuff because, because it, it, it carries you through that. It, it, it kind of allows you to do it, if you like. Um, and it's really interesting. Like, what, so I've watched it loads of times, obviously. And there are moments when you can just tell the audience are responding to like the sort of slightly made up soapy story. So there's a bit where like Wills and Harry part and it's like, you know, it's like, and it's like, will the brothers ever see each other again? And, and you can hear some nights the audience sort of going, 
um, like that. And it's like, I just think that's brilliant. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a huge making tape of the royal family, and yet the audience can root for the characters like that. And um, I kind of love that, really. And so when we did our first Windsor's special, COVID had brought all TV production to a standstill and we had no news on anything to do with season four. Yeah. 15 months later, any kind of better idea or any thoughts on what might be next for the Windsor's? Well, we had a, a meeting you know, the, with NoHo, they're the TV production company. We had a meeting with them in Channel 4 probably a couple of months ago now and lots of excitement and, you know... Um, you know, they seem to be up for another series. But uh, as, as in terms of what we cover, it actually probably be similar stuff to the um, to the stage show, but kind of in a different way. Um, and then, as ever with the royal family, you know, stuff will happen. It's just it's you don't have to to to, to worry too much. It's like you know, some some TV shows have like a shelf life. It's like you know, you do two series or three series, and you think, yeah, we kind of explored all that we can do with them, but, but not with the royal family. I mean, they, they just, uh, <laughs> they keep on, uh, they're the gift to keep on giving. You know? I was going to say, yeah, especially at the moment, you're never, never really short of stuff. Yeah. Last then, so uh, shameless plug time. Why should people go and see Windsor's Endgame in one sentence? Because it's, it's very funny and it's not boring. It, it, it's, I, I, I've been to the theatre so many times and, and it's so boring. <laughs> the, the, the one important thing about this show is it's not boring. There's funny stuff, the songs, the swords fight, sword fights, the snogging competition. Uh, and it's got a nice, warm, emotional story and, you know... It's just a lot of fun, and you and the audience is really, you know, I, you know, the audiences have been loving it so far. So come see it. Fantastic, lovely. All right. Well, thank you so much, but I really appreciate it. It was lovely to chat to you. Not at all. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Up next, we have Tom, aka Prince Harry. So, hi, Tom. Welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Tom, Prince Harry has had a, a rather busy year. Um, I bet you're really excited to get us in, stuck into some of those storylines. Yeah, it's been it's been a real treat. It's one of the joys <laughs> of doing this show is you get, yeah, the royals are never shy of being in the front pages of all the papers. So there's always something to talk about and there's always something to play. And Harry has um, not escaped that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so when you watch kind of these, you know, these huge royal events unfold, so for example, when they sat down and did their... An Oprah interview. Were you kind of sitting there on the sofa, like, "Great, this is going to be good." Pretty much, just sitting there going, "Yes, this is fantastic." I think we've got more material <laughs> for some more more work to be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how do you prepare yourself to play Harry? I guess what, what the way the show works, the TV show, was it's basically the way that Harry's portrayed is a kind of um, satirical version of everything that you see in headlines of all newspapers. So you kind of take the worst aspects of his character from every newspaper article that's ever been written about him and you multiply it by a million. And then you kind of find that is the nugget of where you start with the character. And then we kind of went from there. And so is there anything you do before you go on stage to kind of get in that Prince Harry mindset? Well, it's really weird because I was, you know, a massive fan of Harry Enfield growing up and 
Tim Nice But Dim was one of my favourite characters. <laughs> so, so what I do to get into the character of Harry is I just repeat the words yes and no over and over again. So I just go, yeah, 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 no, yeah, no. And it just goes back and forth like that. And it gets me into such a state of confusion. And then I just wander onto the stage and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you in your favourite Prince Harry voice then to do a hello pod save the queen please <laughs> absolutely a hello a pod save the queen <laughs> brilliant thank you i think that might probably be the closest we get to having prince harry on the show so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. thank you very much <laughs> so um as well as all the comedy and the wit of the tv show there are lots of different elements to the theater production uh, kind of dance routines and things like that. So how did you find doing that other side of it? Well, to be honest with you, it was um, it was really lovely because for TV, you don't really get a chance to rehearse. So you arrive on set and, you know, depending on what's going on in the media um, regarding the royal family, you kind of know what your lines are going to be. And the first time you do them is in front of the crew and you just do it once. But being able to rehearse with such a wonderful cast of actors over four weeks has just been such a real treat. And then there's something so lovely about doing it in front of a live audience, because having done the television one, you have no idea what the audience response is. And there's been something really satisfying about seeing the audience respond in the way they have been over the last few weeks. So, yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually. How does that work? Are there any moments where you have to kind of you know, improvise a bit or are there any moments where something's not gone down quite as well or not landed as you thought it would? Well, no, it's, it, there are some lines which I didn't realise were funny when we were rehearsing them that the audience seemed to love and <laughs> there shouldn't be any need for improvisation. But when you're working with uh, Tracy Ann Oberman and Harry Enfield, there's always a possibility that something might happen. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any particularly favourite stories that you can tell us? from so um, far PG versions I mean there was a wonderful moment last <laughs> night and it might it was either last night or yesterday afternoon where, where Harry Enfield has a line about being um, he can't be mad because he was made evening, evening standard Londoner of the year <laughs> anyway he, he completely got his line wrong um, and then had to sort of recover from that then Tracy got her line wrong and then it goes to Kieran playing wheels in it he then trips over a piece of furniture and for five minutes there was no way we could get the play back on track but then it all <laughs> fell into place and we were okay in the end <laughs> fantastic so the tv show is obviously a huge hit and we're all massive fans here at pod save the queen but do you know if you have any royal fans i to be honest with you i have absolutely <laughs> no idea <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to i'd like to think so i am um, I can imagine Harry and Meghan would watch it and quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> and so a question from one of our listeners, Emily Runs. Who is your favourite royal in real life? My favourite? I mean, it's got to be the Queen. I mean, I think she's amazing and she's probably the one who seems to go through her daily business without making too many gaffes on a regular basis. <laughs> and for that, I admire her. <laughs> Very little drama. Very little drama from her. <laughs> Although I imagine if she had it her way, you wouldn't have quite as much good content for the for the show going forward. Yeah, I, I feel like if it was up to her, there would be no content whatsoever and there'd be nothing to um, <laughs> yeah, satirise because she'd keep a very uh, close lid on top of everything. 
And so a uh, shameless plug then. So why should people book tickets to come and see Windsor's Endgame in one sentence? It is funny. It's a funny musical with Harry Enfield. And what more could you really ask for? And <laughs> fantastic. And what are your hopes for Prince Harry in the show going forward? If there is, if we are lucky enough to get another series in future. Well, if there is another series, um, I think something's got to be made of the fact that he's been trying to write this book. Um, and I, for one, am incredibly intrigued as to what's going to happen in it. Um, and if he's going to be writing it himself or he's going to have a ghost writer, I just I think that whole narrative is going to be fantastic. Um, <laughs> and we're going to see what happens with him and Megan. I mean, yeah. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see if you can get them to send you out and f- film on location. See if you can get some trips to the US. <laughs> well, that's what I will be pushing for. I think, I think we should be based in the US, and everyone else can carry on filming in Surrey. And I should be, I should be in California for the summer. <laughs> I was say, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really nice to chat to you. Not at all. <laughs> And rounding off at the Windsor's Endgame special, we now meet Tracy and Harry. Welcome. Hello, Zoe. Hello. So welcome to Pod Save the Queen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having us. So, Harry, we all love the TV show, but the next chapter is very different. So where did the idea for a stage show come from? Well, um, from the producers, Runaway Production, who got in touch with Burton George, who wrote the TV series about two years ago, and said, uh, well, the first I knew about it was on set, and Burton George was going, oh, we've been asked to do a, a stage show. And I said, well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? We could do sort of, you know, a bit of time a year, a bit like a panto or something, if it worked, and just update it. And they said, yes, that's what we thought. Um, so it just came from other people, not from them. And uh, one thing led to another, and here we all are doing it live at the Principal <laughs> Theatre in the London's West End. Oh, it's so exciting. And so, Tracy Ann, you are joining the cast for the first time. How did you get involved in The Windsors? Um, I really liked it as a TV series. It always made me laugh. I think, it, um, and then I just got a I got a call just saying, "Would I like to play Camilla?" And um, and I I read the script. It was funny. I, I've always just adored Harry. He's a real like icon to me and everyone I know. So the chance to do that, and particularly to come back into the theatre and to do something that was funny and irreverent and witty, and after the last eighteen months, just to make people laugh, just felt like. It was a great way to get back on stage. And so how did you prepare to take on the role of Camilla? Well, I actually um, I had a, a really nice chat with Harry on the first day. And I said, you know, what's, this, what's the situation here? You know, am I meant to sort of do what Caden did? Or, you know, should I do something completely different? I'm not sure what's the situation. And he was so supportive and said, look, this is a completely different beast. Uh, it's in, all in the writing. You'll bring what you bring to it. It'll be a different, uh, it will be a different Camilla, but with the same essence of the writing. Obviously, it's not impressions of people rather than Harry's brilliant vocal you know, impression of Charles. But um, there are qualities of Camilla, but it, it's all in the writing and the play is so different to the TV series in many ways. So I was I was given a free reign to sort of discover her in rehearsal. 
And so she's obviously a huge role to play. Did you have any nerves or how did you feel about kind of, you know, doing your own version of Camilla? Well, it's the Royal, it's the Windsor's version of Camilla. So it's not Camilla, it's not the crown. I mean, I always say it's better than the crown because it's based on more reality, but it's, um, I, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an impression of Camilla. It's, it's the Windsor's version of Camilla. And this is the stage version of the Windsor's version of Camilla. So in a way, she's written as such a, a pantomime villain in many ways. And that's the joke of the series is that she's a sort of evil behind the crown, uh, that it was just a joy to be able to discover how to play her. And so obviously having seen it and everyone I've spoken to, cause we've all been sitting now, everyone says that you look like you're just having the best time on stage. So is it fair to say you're enjoying it so far? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's so lovely to be back on stage and it's so lovely to be back on stage with such a fantastic group of people. And it's so lovely to be back on stage with an audience laughing their, their heads off. So <laughs> it's just it's just a really joyous way to spend an evening. And so, Harry, you are an incredible Prince Charles. So going uh, back a few years, how did you first get involved in the show? Well, um, I'd done a show with Paul Whitehouse in which I played Prince Charles telling a joke to the real me and Paul. And it was like a really long and lame joke. And, of course, we, we laughed our heads off in a very polite way like people do to the royals. And that was just a joke of it. And Bert and George saw us. And I've worked with them for 20 years. So, you know, George died last year, but... Um, I'd worked with them for 20 years and they said, oh God, we didn't know you could do Prince Charles. Would you like to do it in this programme? So I said, yeah, of course I would, you know, so I love their writing. I've always loved them and their work. And uh, so that's sort of how it happened. I got into the series and then, you know, I've only done two plays before and they were like really fun uh, and really interesting, but I, and, you know, really nice casts and everything, but, I thought to do something that's sort of more in my medium would be really fun too. And the fact that, you know, it's so bonkers. You know. Sorry, that's me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries at all. <laughs> that was Camilla Parker Bowles on the phone. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, you know, because you know, what happens in the plays, um, Camilla and I take the, the Britain back to the dark ages and, uh, you know, where there are no pesticides, but people are drowned in mud. And um, uh-huh. you know, the girls and Kate try and, and say, so it's about, it's basically, you know, sometimes people say to you, you know, what do you think the royal family would think of this? And it's like, I would say, well, probably what the real King Arthur would think of Spamalot. You know, yeah. it's, not about, <laughs> it's not about that much in common with what's actually happening. You know, although obviously we have a little go, of, you know, we put contemporary stuff in. But it's just really, really stupid. It's for adults who refuse to grow up, I would say. You know, we, <laughs> I love that. It's a great description of it. Say? I said it's a great description of it. I love that. <laughs> Good. So, and, by the way, they, they match your shirts. I know. I've kind of accidentally done that. I didn't quite notice. But yeah, <laughs> I wish I was organised enough to say it was planned. Um, yeah, so how do you prepare to, to play the future king? Ah, well, you see, that would be different if I was being the real Prince Charles. He would be sort of full of authority and, uh, um, you know, thinking, how do I 
tread the line with the politicians to try and get a better, work, better world for everyone. But in the Windsor's one, he's just completely bonkers. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just, you know, I mean, he's, he's sort of based really on what the Red Tops write about Prince Charles or have done over the years. Um, your own good paper included, I'm sure, um, which is to make out that he's pretty bonkers and exaggerated by about hundreds, you know. So that's fairly easy to prepare for someone like me who isn't that far off that character myself. So, um, yeah, that's it's cool, you know, it's fun. <coughs> So as well as all the comedy and the wit of the TV show, there's lots of different elements that the show has and kind of dance routines, musical numbers. How did you find doing that side of it? I'll ask you both this, but Harry, if you want to go first. A musical theatre, darling. I've never done it before. (laughs) I've become the grand old queen of the piece, really. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually play the queen in, uh, in the show as well. Actually, I play Prince Charles and the Queen, um, but I am the old Queen backstage, you know. And it's really <laughs> hard for me. I've never danced, you know. I can do dad dancing, and that's it. <laughs> and I can do dad dancing after a couple of bottles of wine, and that's it. But being on stage sober every night with these young dancers and, you know, Cara Toynton, who won Strictly, and they're all hopping about the place and they knew exactly what they were doing. And they go, well done, Harry, you're doing really well. And I'm just like, and I did, I describe it as being like in an old people's home and you get one of those lovely groups of sort of young people who come in to give the old people musical movement classes. And that was sort of what it was like in rehearsal. It's so funny. And yeah, Tracy, how did you find it? Well, considering I had done a tap dancing show where I knew nothing, I'd never danced a step, and I had done a musical fiddler on the roof, so I was I was always trying to learn new things. I came into this thinking, oh well, at least we don't have to do any singing or dancing. <laughs> and, um, and then on the first day, we started singing uh, this this song, and I looked at um, Tom, who I think you've just had on, and we went singing. Uh, so a bit like Harry, I, I was sort of again one of the elderly uh, members of the old age home, and I was a, I was a, I was okay, but it's uh, it, they have had to simplify quite a few of the hands, and yeah, they simplified it a bit for me and Harry, who was standing. Yeah, there. <laughs> and is it something also, you're going to carry on with then? Do you reckon you're going to both going to be big dancers going forward? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Harry and I, uh, yeah, Harry and I are going into Strictly together. Yeah, I was going to say Strictly. Yeah. You know, yeah, not far off. I reckon you could. I don't know. I think we're going to do what was that film in LA? You know, the one with um, everyone. Oh, La Land. Yeah, La La Land. <laughs> we're going to do a version of Winterland. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's Amazing a motion picture where we just sing and dance all the way through. <laughs> but it was incredible. While we were rehearsing, um, Zoe, what happened was uh, we'd be rehearsing a bit and just before the end, it's like a scene, and then the director would sort of say, and then there's Camilla's song, and then we do the next scene. And we never even saw Camilla's song till we got to the theatre. And then suddenly Tracy sang this song in the right place and it was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And every night it sort of brings the house down because it's like very Because <laughs> she's so – what she's like um, – you know, Hayden used to play Camilla as like the evil, evil, evil. And uh, I guess Tracy's version is a bit more naughty, naughty, naughty. You know, she's like just naughty. <laughs> 
And she's sort of, you know, you know that she's really harmlessly naughty. She's full of um, uh, of SH1C, as they used to say. Um, when I was at school, my teachers, so they didn't have to say the word. But um, you sort of know that, that, that she, she's just naughty and her song is <laughs> And that's, you know, it's so sort of perfect for the show. The show is just naughty and, and immature. And <laughs> irreverent and satirical. And it's fun. It's really fun. I had a friend in last night who's like a really heavyweight sort of political journalist. And um, and she, she just said, uh, she took her son and she said, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but my son said that is the best night in the theatre he's ever had. Mm-hmm. And she said, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. People just want to laugh. Nobody wants to see plays about COVID. <laughs> and horror at the moment do they no I completely agree and one of the other things obviously with live performances is that things don't always go quite to plan and I will say that Tom dropped both of you in it and said that during one of the shows yesterday there was a, a slide, there was a line that went wrong and then there was another line and he said there was about yeah. five minutes where you think how do you find dealing with moments how do you find dealing with moments like that Tracy you go first um the good thing about being in the windsors is that all it's you know it's an anarchic show the windsors on stage it's an anarchic show so actually uh anything can happen we we are in one of our previews some weird tannoy system i think the local taxi firm ended up (laughs) coming out through our speakers scene when she comes on as elizabeth the first and then harry comes on as Charles and it was uh it, all you could hear was and it was it was hilarious because they thought at the beginning people thought it was part of the show and if you can get away with that for like ten literally and one of us would say a line and you blasting out over the theatre so if you can get through that on this show and everybody just laugh and it got a, a, a static like and a you know massive round of applause you can get away with anything and so it's great so when Harry sort of started fumbled a line and went oh I completely messed up that line and then made me then go oh I've completely forgotten my line now. <laughs> it's just part of the Windsor anarchy I don't know if that works the same in a Shakespeare probably not in my experience but in the Windsors all, all, all gloves are off <laughs> Harry what's yeah it, I mean it's sort of like the thing is from the beginning Tracy sort of stirring up the audience to boo and hiss and yell and uh, just mocking them and <laughs> insulting them and stuff and um so when something goes wrong, of course they love it, you know, when they can see us us getting into trouble. It was actually a really good place to get into trouble for me yesterday. So, uh, like um, Will says to me, Father, you've gone mad. And I'm supposed to go, if I'm so mad, how come I was made evening standard Londoner of the year? <laughs> and that, you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> anyway. But it's such an easy line to know. And I went, if I'm so mad, how come I became, sorry, if I'm so mad, how come I was made Londoner evening, London, evening standard London? If I'm so mad, how come I fluff my lines? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of perfect, really. <laughs> and uh, a perfect example of madness. So, yeah, all that kind of stuff can happen, you know. Oh, it sounds like it must be so much fun to work on. It sounds like you guys have a great time every night. Yeah, we do. Every night and every um, and, and every matinee. And the great thing is it's only 90 minutes. That's one of the big things that Michael, our director, you know, we were like, from the beginning, pretty insistent. It was going to be a 90-minute show. No longer than a football match. 
and it comes out of that every night, you know. So it's like, great, you can do two shows a day and still have the energy. And, you know, it's not like Les Mis or something, you know. (laughs) You know, that was one of my big things was, uh, you know, most theatres are so hot that a, a lot of the time people just fall asleep. And I wanted to do a show where everyone was awake and laughing. And that means a short show with loads of jokes, and that's what this is. It is very funny. It's very anarchic, and I think people, you know, even even the most hardened uh, sort of heart thinking, "What is this?" have come in and just loved it. People, you know, really lovely feedback. Haven't laughed like this in years. Really needed that. It's irreverent and it's witty, and it's there's something for everybody. It's got really good sharp satire. It's got really good physical gags, really good, you know, it's very witty. And there's some, you know, and and Harry is just, you know, the star, you know, he's a star in his own right. The, the love. Well, so, you, so are you. Well, no, oh, no, no <laughs> I, I say this with all, you know, that's kind. But, you know, Harry, the people love Harry, really love Harry. And there's lots of little surprises and little things that he's put in, which um, just, just are a delight for the audience. So. And we have live sex on stage. Oh, literally live sex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't there? See, what more could you want at a night at the theatre? So the TV show is obviously a huge hit and it's got so many fans. But do you guys know if you have any royal fans? Have you heard anything about any members of the royal family watching? Well, I, I have, you know, but it's all sort of rumours. Tracy reckons she's, well, she'll tell you, she reckons she saw one, one of them in the audience the other night. <laughs> Well, I have got terrible eyesight, but I absolutely was convinced that Prince William was in with with Kate because there were he looked exactly like him, and he had a massive mask on, and they looked like security people around, and he was nodding and laughing and sort of like every uh, every time Will's got like a, a round of applause, he was like, "Look, I, I'm convinced. Well, I've convinced myself." That was, was that or Lady Gaga, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it was. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. You hear sort of rumours and stuff, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, it's not anti-royalist or anything. It's it's more like, you, like I say, it's like spam a lot to the real King Arthur. You know, it's just absurd. And, uh, you know, the stuff that gets written about them as fact, if you take that and just tweak it a bit, then... We know, we all know that none of it's true, you know. And we know from being in the public eye that, you know, people write stuff about you and you can read it and think, oh, you've jumped to so many conclusions, all of which are wrong, about these few facts that are actually in there. But actually all the conclusions are totally wrong. And, you know, obviously we do that with the the royal family all the time. I'm sure we do, you know, so... I would hope that they've got thick enough skins to realise that, you know, like me, like Tracy, like Cara, like everyone in the public eye, that, uh, you know, how how the public view you, you know, a public face of you, you know, this satirical face of you is completely harmless and everything. And I, for one, would fast, 
I'd far sooner have Prince Charles as the absolute monarch than uh, Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, personally. <laughs> and if I was if I was a member of the royal family, I'd far rather watch the Windsors, I think, than the Crown. That set, I mean, you know, I, we all love the Crown, but it does set itself up as the way, the truth, the historical. You know, if you didn't know anything about uh, the, you know, the royal family, you would think that was a documentary, and it does set itself up a bit like that. Whereas the Windsors just takes all the, uh, as he said, you know, like your paper, it takes all the best. Um, red top uh, headlines and just puts it into sort of makes them into sketches. It's, it's, it's a sort of loving poking fun. Yeah. I think that's a really good kind of, you know, way to describe it actually is because, you know, like, you know, especially at the start, it was, you know, some people were a bit not sure on it, but it's, it's so obviously not true and it is so out there that that's, as you said, it's, that's why it's different in so many ways to the crown. Um, So, just lastly then so a uh, shameless plug time um we're going to give if everyone can just give explain in one line why people should go and see windsor's end game in one sentence tracy ann no, mate, Harry, i can't do that in one sentence. <laughs> uh, i think you should go and see the windsor's live because everyone in it is brilliant it's really funny uh, it has sword fights uh cat fights snogging and live sex on stage and really good <laughs> songs and uh, all sorts of magic and if you're immature you will love it <laughs> I think that's very good that is all that's a great that was like one really long sentence I think you should watch the Windsor's Endgame because after the last 18 months that we've all gone through you deserve a massive laugh a really good belly laugh um and just a really good night out. Oh my God, that isn't even English. Right, come out. <laughs> I think you should go and see the Windsor's Endgame because after the last 18 months, you deserve a bloody good laugh and to really just lose yourself in the mad world of the Windsor's meets Dallas, meets soap opera, mm-hmm. meets, um, meets uh, spitting image, meets the crown, but with more truth. And just really quickly then, if anyone has been very silly and has not watched the TV show yet, can you still see the stage show? Does it work as a standalone or do you need to know the kind of characters before? Oh, yeah, of course it works as a standalone because the characters are the royal family. <laughs> you know, you can still see the Windsors online. I was looking at the, um, the, the Channel 4, like, descriptions of them and there was one, you know, Harry's not sure about life. Uh, Kate is replaced by a robot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're all things like that, you know, and so, like, they're ridiculous. And, you know, yeah, you can watch those and then come see. But everyone knows who the royal family is and everyone, you know, we're playing Windsor-type versions of the royal family. So, yeah, you can, you know, it it works completely without seeing the programme. It totally does. You you really can kind of you know. I would say maybe don't come and see it if you've never heard of the Royal British. <laughs> yeah. Really don't. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe then. Maybe a slight hesitation. But I think as most people in the world do know, the soap opera that is the royal family, they will enjoy the soap opera that is the wins. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. It was lovely thank to chat you. to you. See you later, Harry. Bye. See you later, Trace. Bye then. And that's it for this week's episode. The Windsor's Endgame is playing at the Prince of Wales Theatre until the 9th of October and tickets start at just £12.50. So it's a real bargain and a great night out.
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PodSave. And remember, Anne and Russell will return next week. But until then... PodSave the Queen!